Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is Solvable. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Growing up, there was not a single positive reference that I remember in media or popular culture or anything. Like, I grew up with Peter Pan and, like, the whole, like, what makes the red man red. And then we got Disney's Pocahontas, which everyone thought was a sort of good depiction of natives. And it did make some limited strides, but then that meant that everyone would just, when I said I was Native, would like sing Colors of the Wind to me. You might remember this conversation I had in 2021 with Dr. Adrian Keene, a citizen of the Cherokee Nation, scholar, and author of Notable Native People. We were talking about the erasure and invisibility of Indigenous people. We agreed that there was a disconnect between the way Natives are portrayed on film and television and the realities of Native and Indigenous life. What I love about movies and cinema is that, like, you can create a world, and if you do it right, an audience will go along with you, and they they, they go into your world that you've created, and, and, and they give themselves over to that. And I already had a leg up because the world I come from is so unknown. That's filmmaker Sterling Harjo, a citizen of the Seminole Nation of Oklahoma. He's the creator and showrunner of Reservation Dogs. It's an FX series about a group of Native American teenagers coming of age on a reservation in Oklahoma. I mean, like, we only talk about the warriors and and the heroes and stuff. It's like, you know, what about the ones that didn't do shit or that were scared or that, like, that died died because their horse hit a gopher hole? You know, like, what what about them? You know, like, that's also a part of us. Harjo's other work, including award-winning feature films and documentaries, has also largely focused on Native history, identity, and culture. In Reservation Dogs, he strives to portray fully realized Indigenous folks in America, a departure from the representation that some of us may be all too familiar with. Uh, My name is Sterling Harjo. I am filmmaker, creator, showrunner of Reservation Dogs. 
And I feel that representing the humanity of Native people is a solvable problem. I think the work that you're doing is very tangible when it comes to stopping the erasure of a culture. Can you talk a little bit about how your work is encouraging that visibility? We just tell the truth. You show the good, you show the bad, because we because that's what's missing is we haven't been seen as human. Mm-hmm. And humans are good and bad, and we have to show those sides and also tell a good story first. And then you're going to get the activism or the, the the real stuff that we're going for, right? Like, like, as long as I tell a good story, like, that's the Trojan horse, right? Like, you tell the good story and you get in there. I feel like I know how to bring us into the rest of the world. I was so proud to be able to do it because I feel like I, I, I had known how to do it. I feel like I know how to do it. You know, because you know how it is. Like, like as soon as you're an underrepresented person gets to tell their story, they don't want to share the darkness. They don't want to share the blemishes. Yep. They only want us to look perfect. They only yep. want us, uh, us to have, be, you know, everything to look amazing. And like, you know, like, like there's no issues here. Like, cause like it's, it's the pendulum swinging, you know? I mean, like one of the best things about this show is the feedback I've gotten from the community, people from all over indigenous communities writing me and saying, man, like, my kids are finally feel like they're seeing something that represents them. Like, I mean, my dad said the other day, he was like, you, you've given them an identity again. Like we can be proud. And part of that being proud, I think, is just showing us as flawed, beautiful human beings and showing that we face death and that sometimes we can't handle life. And sometimes we, sometimes we are upset and sometimes we're not good people. And sometimes we're really good, you know, and just showing that letting people kind of relax a little bit and take a breath and that we don't have to be these historical figures that, that fought and lost or won for our land. And like, and it was just kind of shaking that off and like a good blues song, you know, it's like, what is that? What, it, how do you strip it down to what it is? You know, it's like, yeah, without all the fancy stuff, like, what are we? We're human, you know, and like you try to tell that the truth and the, and the, and the, and the light and the darkness with that. And I think that that's what makes a difference. And that's what gets people to identify with it. And watching the show, I felt that. I felt, you know, watching a show like yours, watching a show like Rami, Atlanta, uh, I feel like there's a, a, right. other shows where they're just showing humans of, oh, uh, yeah. of cultures that yeah. have been have been in America and a part of America for a long time, but showing them as human. But I think one of the most interesting ways that you did it on Reservation Dogs was that you have a Bear, one of the main characters, Gene's t-shirt teenage boy. He is talking to one of his ancestors, oh, yeah. his grandfather, uncle, cousin, right. who explained Explicitly states that he's not one of the awesome ones. But I fought bravely. Well, I didn't actually fight. I actually didn't even get into the fight itself. But I came over that hill real rugged like, ah, ah. But then the damn horse hit a gopher hole. Fucking rolled over and squashed me. I died there. He was just the guy who who died on his horse after his horse. (laughs) <laughs> fell right. into a hole, which I, I thought right. was hilarious. Uh, is Was all of right. that the inspiration behind giving Bear this very regular ancestor to guide him? Totally. I mean, like, we only talk about the warriors and, and the heroes and stuff. But it's like, you know, what about the ones that didn't do shit or that were scared? <laughs> or that, like, that died died because their horse hit a gopher hole. You know, like, what, like, what about them? Yeah. You know, like, the, that's also a part of us. And I think one thing that's important about that character, and I'm glad you brought it up, is what I learned, because we had a comedy group 
Dallas Goldtooth, who plays Spirit. We had a comedy, we have a comedy group and we would travel around and we really learned like what works for non-native audiences for native humor and what doesn't. Specifically white audiences, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, like, because you got to almost give them permission to laugh <laughs> when it's native stuff because they want to be like, so like, oh. Like, I find the, native, the same thing with like, black humor, but continue. <laughs> exactly, right. Like, you got to you gotta like, oh, like, like oh, I don't want to laugh. Like, you know, like, so you have to give them permission to laugh. And it was it was a taking the stereotype that like if I were to say like well, dr- like draw me a Native American like they wouldn't draw bear they would draw spirit you know it's a delicate thing like trying to get people to laugh at things that they're used to not laughing with or about or anything you know so I think that that character specifically was kind of works as that mechanism I guess tell me a little bit about how you got into film you know I got into college and I was at the University of Oklahoma. And I took an intro to film and video studies with this Hungarian professor named Misha Nedeljkovic. And his like love for cinema was so contagious. And it was, when I discovered that it was a language was when I was pumped. And like, I, that's when I really got into it. It was like, okay. Um, like, I, like, like when I realized it wasn't just pointing a camera towards something. It was literally like telling stories with the camera and using cameras and shots to, and music and everything, all the senses to tell a story. I just really, um, I don't know, I fell in love and I, and I didn't look back. I was like, I have to do this, you know? And, and it's sort of, that sort of coincided with me discovering that I was a pretty good writer. Um, I think I was always a good storyteller. I just was not confident in writing. Um, but it was in college that I discovered that I could, you know, with a little work, I could write. College is the time that we all become a lot more self-aware. Uh, I think that right. was identified most with my with my blackness when I got to college, uh, and right. I began to kind of express it in everything that I did. You know, whether it was playing music, talking to friends, whatever, it was like I had to express my blackness. As you were becoming more creative and writing and be and enjoying telling stories, did you find yourself having that same level of expressiveness when it comes to your indigenous heritage? Yeah, I mean, like, it was, there was two things. I mean, like, on one hand, like, I'd kind of grown up in this community, and I was hungry for things like punk rock and, and indie rock, and, like, uh, I was wanting to express myself through art, and I was discovering artists and cinema and all this stuff that had nothing to do with my heritage or background, and I really just kind of dove into all of that. But like you said, in a couple of years of that, though— when I started applying myself and writing and wanting to be a filmmaker, then I was like, oh, but this is the thing that's unique about me. And, yeah. then, and then it was like, oh, now, then I like discovered, rediscovered who I was and everything kind of came from that lens after that. And I realized that, you know, a lot of people don't have the leg up that I had. Like I have this... Like, I mean, what I love about movies and cinema is that, like, you can create a world, and if you do it right, an audience will go along with you, and they they, they go into your world that you've created, and, and, and they give themselves over to that. And I already had a leg up because the world I come from is so unknown that it, it was a little easier, I felt like, to bring people into this world that they didn't know, you know? So after that, I, very similar to you, I everything kind of filtered through that lens. When you're making discoveries about new things that you love that weren't necessarily a part of your culture growing up, for instance, punk rock, but they're things that you're introduced to that you love, 
as you become more in touch with your culture, do you look for the connections between the thing that you love and your culture? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know, I like hip hop. I like punk rock. Uh, I like mm-hmm. rebellious music. And yes. I think that indigenous people, you know, we've always been in a bit of a rebellion. It's like, you know, it's like we're, there was always something to fight for to this day. And so I connect to that. And, you know, um, the show is filled with punk rock and indie rock and hip hop. And like the opening is, you know, uh, I want to be your dog by the Stooges. And it's like, you know, one of my favorite things is finding ways to bring all of that back into my community. Because I mean, it's there anyway, but it's like, how do I show that and express it, you know? I did not know that 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 song was by the band Redbone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come and get your love. Incredibly popular song. song. Right? It was on, yeah, yeah. Yes, it was on. I, I remember as they're singing it, I'm like, this is from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. What significance right. does it have here? It, yeah. And then at the end, when you show the band playing it, I'm right. like, oh my goodness, this is right. all of those happy little connections. I imagine yeah. that that inspires, uh, inspires you to do more work to say like, see, there. look at these connections, understand how it all comes together. Oh yeah, I mean, that was one of my favorite things. It's like kind of reclaiming Redbone, you know, it's like the world knows who they are, but they don't know where they come from and who they really are. And it was like, I want to show that in this unique way as this in this episode. A lot of times Native people are shown, were only shown in the 1800s most of the time, you know. So trying to show us in a contemporary light and, and how, you know, we're just as influenced by all these things, pop culture, like everyone is, you know, like from hip hop to movies to... um to clothing, I mean, like style, you know, we're so, one of our strengths is that we were able to adapt. Like, for instance, in my community, um, we have songs that are really important and you'll, you hear them being sung at a funeral scene and in the show. And they are hymns. And those hymns were, Mm -hmm. uh, they're a mix of like, uh, the style of singing was kind of brought here by uh, Scottish missionaries and it was called line singing. Well, then you Mm -hmm. you had freed African slaves next to, that were also a part of our tribe with the Seminole Nation, but also lived in those, in the same area in the Southeast. And, you know, all the style of singing emerges and you hear it in slave spirituals. You also hear it in these Muscogee Creek and Seminole hymns. And it's a style of singing that they call line singing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a way of worshiping. It's a way of kind of singing prayer, you know, and um, all of those cultures kind of have a mix of that. And I think that that's a beautiful thing. Like that's what I, I love celebrating that, right? Like I love talking about how our cultures intersect. I think part of our survival has been adapting you know, I think the same thing for, you know, black people in this country. It's like part of survival is absorbing things in culture and culture and and claiming it for ourselves, you know, and like also or just like presenting it in a new way, you know. And I think that's something beautiful about the intersection of cultures. Uh, it's a, It's about survival, I think. 
I am I am a black Christian. I've been in the church my whole life. My father's an assistant pastor. Like I'm heavily right. involved in the church. And I do remember that funeral scene uh, right. where the they were singing, the, doing the line singing. I was struck by that part. I was like, right. this is very, very familiar. And I think that's one thing about the show Reservation Dogs is that it's it's very familiar. As soon as it comes on and you realize that the main characters are are basically on a quest to get out of their little small town, I was like, oh, oh yeah, this is familiar. Like I, oh, I know yeah, the story. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Everybody can relate to that, right? Yeah. And it, it, and I and I like that you use that in order to make it familiar. But then you uh, you slowly start introducing concepts that I didn't know about, which is in episode two, you immediately start talking about uh Indian health services right, and right. subtly making these little statements about it throughout. What are you here for? Gone to a fight. Busting my nose. I got some good ones in though. Tell your mom? No, I didn't. You shouldn't either. You know, like patient doctor protocol or whatever it's called. Tell me a little bit about what your intentions were by teasing out of the lessons that that me as a non-Indigenous person would learn from watching a show like this. We all know what bad healthcare is, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, my whole goal is to be very specific show this culture very be, be very specific about the nuance mm-hmm. and the differences and the little things that details that make it real but it all has an undercurrent of universality and i think that those two the combination of those two things are what make people want to come back and watch the show cuz i think when we're like young and we're activists and we're we're you know in our early 20s we 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 want to yell you know we want like a bullhorn to yell but you realize people don't listen when you yell. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want people to hear, you have to find the right way to deliver it to them. Like making a podcast. <laughs> right. Making a podcast, making a show, but also making a balance of like where, where I don't feel like I'm, you don't feel like you're, you're getting a lecture. You're just getting little tastes of lessons of healthcare disparities in America and in indigenous communities through a really funny episode that all takes place at the Indian clinic, you know, where Bobby Lee is a doctor and like all of these things. Yes. You know? so, so I think it's like something that I've been, it's a needle I've been trying to thread through, through my, for my whole career. Most people that have an opportunity, especially when it comes to underserved communities and uh, minority groups that are underrepresented, especially in, Holl- in TV and film, you don't necessarily know if you're going to get another chance at this. So you kind of just have to, you know, set your path straight and whatever happens, happens. But you guys get a season two. Right. Do you have a plan for us to have a long-term stay with Reservation Dogs? Or Oh, yeah. Yeah. My friend Taika Waititi helped open the door for me. And then mm-hmm. he was like, all right, you know, there you go. And I was like, <laughs> I, love I have to swing for the fences. Like, I'm going to not doubt myself. You know, we all have that in our heads where where that imposter syndrome. Like, should I be here? Like, am, am I supposed to be here? Like, uh, do I deserve this? I like, mean, you know, that's something I've always dealt with. Mm-hmm. And you know, and and I've always, as a as a native person, minority, I've always fought any sort of like, don't hand me anything. Like, and I've never gotten mad at something that I felt was racist. I mean, I've been told so many times, like. This is too native. We can't fund this, you know? Like, I don't know. Like, native films don't sell or anything. I never let that get me mad. It just fueled me. 
I almost wanted the hardest path because it's in. it was in my head from a young age. My mom, I remember we would get this, uh, my tribe would give us a, a clothing voucher before school started, 250 bucks to go to the mall and get yourself some clothing. And because it's tribal money, it's non-taxable. But, you know, the people at Dillard's weren't used to that. And my mom would just battle them and be like, no, it's non-taxable. And if they made it sound like it was a handout anyway, my mom would be like, this is not a handout. This is inheritance from our tribe, you know? And so I always, almost like subconsciously wanted the harder, like, like yeah, be racist. Like, I hope you don't understand what Native stories are because someday I'm going to show you, you know? And I made all low-budget films until this point. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you could have only made two episodes of Reservation Dogs with the budget of most of my feature films, you know? So... When I got here, I was like, all right, I fought to be here. I got nothing to lose. I'm going to swing for the fences and see what happens. And I never doubted myself, and I just went for it. And I think that that was key to having a successful show because I wasn't second-guessing myself. I wasn't editing myself. I was just going for it. As listeners to this show, you probably consider yourself pretty smart. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel car. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients on a whole new level. Boston Children's also made sure the system could flex and scale to handle medical advancements like robotic surgery and virtual reality for training and research. This was worlds away from how they had previously operated. This innovative work hasn't gone unnoticed, first by patients, but also by their peers. Boston Children's was a first place winner in the industry category at last year's unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business an event that celebrates customers who've dared to innovate for the sake of innovation. If the Boston Children's story rings a bell with you, if your team has asked the same questions about building a better business solution, I encourage you to enter this year's awards. 
It's a great way to be recognized for smart, disruptive thinking in front of some of your industry's most influential leaders. You can enter at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. That's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. I'll save you a seat. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. With the success that you're having with the show, how do you consider opening the door for other uh, Native creators that may want to come after you? Do you have a, a plan yeah. for that? Do you feel a responsibility to do that? Right. And if so, definitely. do you have a plan for that? I mean, definitely. I mean, like, I don't have the show without Taika Waititi, you know, like, like yeah. um, him helping a friend out. And I've done the same. I mean, like, every writer on the show, uh, they're all indigenous and they're all friends. All of the directors were friends of mine that I wanted to give, you know, their first TV shot. Or and one of them directs TV already, but two others like it was their first time directing TV. Um, doing the same thing for the next season, um, and then also I have an overall deal at FX now, and part of that is me bringing okay. in, bringing in other folks. Yeah, so like that's honestly like I think my favorite thing about what's happened is like I now get to help people with their projects, and because I mean for me like how I always made my films and also how I made Reservation Dogs was it was not like a top-down thing. Like, I don't like the hierarchy of Hollywood and how they usually do it. Like, for me, it's just like... You can't be saying that on mic, Sterling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I know. Getting tracked. Um, But like, you know, I, I love the community aspect of it. Like, I love like... Just how Reservation Dogs is kind of about a community. That's how I like making this stuff. So with being with bringing in a lot more uh, and working with other Native creators, you know, we're we're seeing kind of like an inflection point right now where the Native community is receiving a lot of artistic attention. These stories and perspectives have always been important, but what do you think makes them more important to tell in this moment? Like with African American cinema and TV. You know, you had these moments like Boys in the Hood and things like that, where it's like you're reflecting on your communities. I mean, like one of my biggest influences on the show was was Friday. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah. Ice Cube, Chris Tucker, 1995. I love that movie. By all accounts, that neighborhood is supposed to be the ghetto and scary and dangerous. But it's, you know, in Friday, it's like funny, like it's not thriving, but it's like mm. beautiful. You know, it's a celebration. Yeah. And there might be one house that's like an asshole lives in, but then the next one is like manicured and they're funny and whatever. You know, it's like, that's what I want to do. Like literally whenever I was designing the kind of the neighborhood of the, of the reservation where they live, we looked at uh, Friday and we used more pastel colors and painted the houses. And, you know, like I think people's first inclination when they think of reservation 
is to make everything trashy, you know, because that's what we've seen in the documentaries. But it's like, no, like there might be one house that has like a car in the yard or whatever, but then the neighbor's house is going to be manicured and there's going to be flowers and stuff, you know, like that's, that's, we're people. You know, we're in this moment that I see, that I saw, I think with African-American cinema, like Friday and all of that, where like you had Boys in the Hood, you're talking about problems within our community and everything. And then, and then you move into Friday and it's like, oh, but this is a celebration. But also we're still talking about like our own issues, you know, like our own issues in our community. And mm-hmm. we're talking about suicide and our own issues that we're facing. And it's not about how do white people save us. It's about how do we handle these problems ourselves? Like how do we address them? What is unique about the way that we address them? And so I see us in this infancy and in, in, in our storytelling and where we're at. And where we can go is limitless from every angle. If our listeners want to get involved and help seeing more visibility within Native American arts and film communities, what can they do? Illuminative is a really good organization that kind of covers everything from education to entertainment to art. I mean, like they really cover a lot. And I think that that is my friend, Crystal Echohawk runs that. And I think that I don't know, that they're just growing and they're building and they've really done so much in um, helping us be visible and also celebrating what's happening in Indian country. You know, follow them on Instagram, Illuminative, and they they really give you a good broad sense of where you can go and, and who's all involved in the community. Thank you so much for being with us, Sterling. This has been incredible. Thank you. Sterling Harjo is the filmmaker, creator, and showrunner of Reservation Dogs. And he's directed three feature films, including Four Sheets to the Wind, Barking Water, and Mecco. And two documentaries, This May Be the Last Time and Love and Fury. Season two of Reservation Dogs is coming later in 2022. You can find a link to his work and also Illuminative in our show notes. Solvable is produced by Jocelyn Frank. Research by David Ja. Booking by Lisa Dunn. Editorial support from Keishel Williams. Our managing producer is Sasha Mathias, and our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. I'm Ronald Young Jr. Thanks for listening. The tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored among some of the most influential leaders in industry. And me, I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. 
Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.